Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute, we're going to review one of our foundational single leg exercises, and that is the K-Box Split Squat. Just like with the squat, guys, make sure you got that tether taunt when you're at full extension, and set yourself a counterbalance. Here we're going to use the barbell on the rack. Sink it down just like a regular split squat, chest tall, and drive through that front foot. I really like that back plate there to take tension off that back toe. As we progress forward, that's going to be big time to help us even keep our weight forward more. As we increase intensity and decrease volume, we're also typically cutting depth, therefore increasing transfer when we're looking at stopping power at a greater height. Guys, give this one a shot. I'm sure that this is one that you're going to find some great carryover for your athletes. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Army West Point's Patrick Peterson to discuss building a high-performance environment at one of the military academies. Guys, after a real quick intro, Patrick's going to get right into a lot of the coaches he learned from, what he learned from them, what his voyage to West Point consisted of, and how this has driven not just what his training and his programming is, but his research that he's now working on with his PhD. You know, then he gets into some of the limitations that, you know, they have to work around with the cadets at the academy. And, you know, it's really a unique thing. I think that most of us in the world of physical preparation think that, you know, we have things that we have to dance around, but obviously at the academies, it's a unique situation. So that's really cool to hear. And then we finish off discussing to, you know, what he refers to pulling the dogs back and how the use of visuals has really helped the athletes and coaches understand kind of where they need to make alterations in the work they're doing. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Patrick, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Happy to be on. Couldn't be more excited, Jeff. Yeah, man. Really stoked to get this down. We were talking a little bit before, but let's uh, let's kind of get people into the meat potatoes of you know where you're at, how you got there, and what you got cooking up in up in upstate New York. Yeah, for sure. So recently, just started uh, in the end of July here at uh, Army West Point. Work with uh, men and women's soccer uh, in a doctoral research associate position. Uh, I'm lucky enough that you know there's a school piece on top of being, you know, a strength coach, sports scientist for those teams. Prior to that, um, all the way down started my undergrad, UMass Amherst, 
interning there and volunteering with uh, men's hockey and football. Worked with some great coaches and Joe Connolly, Clayton O'Curvin there. Kind of got my feet wet with the uh, sports science stuff, you know, just regular intern stuff, collecting RPEs. And then that's when I kind of figured out there's, there's something there, something brewing. Um, I was lucky enough from there to go to University of Denver. Uh, worked with uh, Matt Shaw, Gary Burroughs, Matt Van Dyke. Um, got to see a real, you know, sports science model being applied to the weight room and really took a deeper dive there before making the move on up to University of Minnesota, where I uh, volunteered with, on, with Cal Dietz in the sports science internship before that turned into a full-time assistant job with him. Um, and that's where I really, you know, went, went down the rabbit hole. Uh, was there for about two years before coming up here. Um, so got a lot of exposure to plenty of good technologies, uh, their practical application and now it's uh, we're full go here at Army West Point, working on implementing a true, you know, high performance model, kind of laying the groundwork. So it's been a been an interesting ride. Yeah, and a lot of really different methodologies and thought processes. I mean, really, the, it, when you're thinking of similarities, the only sort of connection you could say, even I mean, they're totally different with what they look at things with, but like Matt and Cal. A little bit. I mean, because people will yeah. tie them together because the triphasic stuff, but uh, Matt and Cal, I, mean, I don't know if anybody thinks like Cal, um, but, <laughs> you know, different thought processes when it comes to the evaluation process and what the numbers are looking at. So let's talk about those stops, how they've got you going and what now you're looking at with schooling and how this has impacted what you've started doing up there at West Point. Right. Yeah. So you said it best. I mean, I was lucky enough to kind of bounce around between some really good coaches. And, you know, I feel like I got the whole gamut, um, really, from all the different models they implement at Denver, the different stuff at UMass. And then they were both those schools are sprinkling in some triphasic stuff before I really dug deep into it and kind of got got involved there. Um, at Denver, like I said, I mean, we were just we were just looking at, you know, counter movement jump and CNS fatigue and things like that. I remember digging into that before going to Minnesota where it's like, we seemed like we got new technology every couple of weeks, digging into something new. Um, my like second day, we busted out the force plates. And then that's where I really got to, uh, got to get my hands dirty and, you know, got to talk with Cal about what we were looking to implement from there on out. Um, for me, it's been a lot of, you know, picking what, I could take from these, those different coaches and implement into my own model. Because uh, obviously every context is different, every school you go to is different, and every every athlete varies, right? Even down to the teams too. So figuring out what I could use here has been, has been the uh, biggest piece because obviously you take into consideration the military aspect of what the cadet athletes here go through and you gotta consider like, you know, I would love to be able to run, you know, super max eccentric in the off season, but I just don't think it's going to be possible because the off season is really where they got to dig into their, their military requirements. So I have to figure out in our time frame what's maximally effective um, and really just hammer those things home. So it's been tough. Uh, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better of a grasp now, uh, some trial and error going. But yeah, for certain, I definitely 
try and pick up at least one or two things from everyone I've worked with and then put my own spin on it and really, really create a model there. So then let's keep running down that rabbit hole that you were talking about because I think that that's one thing that a lot of coaches look at as a, a pretty unique challenge that you guys have and that is PT. How okay. does that impact what you guys do, how you guys do it, how you're preparing, what you're doing with the men and women, not just in the off season, but to make sure that they're healthy throughout the season? Yeah. So, I mean, we're not as lucky as I'd say other schools are where we have all those contact hours in the summer. Um, our men and women, they go, they go off and they have their, their trainings with their certain branch. And, you know, that could include sitting at a desk for 12 hours a day, you know, working on some engineering type stuff, or that could include, you know, a 12 mile ruck with a 40 pound kit and a nine pound helmet. So, um, it's really that week one, when they come back is really about kind of figuring out where the athletes at, keeping things super simple. Uh, that's what I learned my first week coming on. You know, I, I wanted to jump right in and, and throw all this stuff at them, but I learned pretty quickly just from seeing them move, just from having conversations and really getting on board with the staff here that, you know, you have to meet the athletes where they're at and you have to, to understand that, you know, the physical demands of their summers vary from a regular soccer team where they're getting touches, they're working fitness. Here, I wouldn't say they're not working fitness. It's more of that, I like to call it military fit versus, you know, game ready or game game fit. So, you know, I wanted to come in and implement like a regular GPP aerobic phase. And I come to realize, you know, these guys are, and men and women are pretty aerobically sound already. Cause I mean, that's just the nature of the, the demands of the military. So. I kind of had to ramp things up, look more towards aerobic power, um, sports, some change of direction drills on a clock, uh, trying to get some like game speed stuff going. So, and then how then do these young men and women respond to that? Because it's now you're talking about some really different ends of the training spectrum when it comes to the development of these young people. Yeah. So responses vary because again, like I said, their uh, their demands of what they go through in the summer is totally different. Um, so when it comes to some of our our men and women who might be out in the field more so, uh, really it was just a lot of regenerative stuff, um, dealing with a lot of trap because uh, they're obviously carrying uh, those kits, a lot of neck and low back pains, and then even the people that are in those desk desk jobs, you get a lot of like hip flexor. Uh, tight hamstring things. So like really just trying to bring them all back down to the level of moving like a human again before we even start to get their sport. But then you look at the opposite side of things. Um, our coaches also hadn't seen them really either. So they're really concerned about getting their touches in, getting some ball work. Um, and for these men and women, these cadet athletes, as soon as the ball comes out, it's competition time. It's like they're starved for it. They're, they're hungry. So the intensity drives through the roof. And it's really hard to kind of reel them back in and show them that, okay, like now it's time to work on the fundamentals, the basics before we ramp up to that preseason mode all in a condensed time. Yeah. So then now let's get into that preseason mode because not just a unique type of athlete, but a unique staff to work with. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I've been lucky enough here, uh, working with my, uh, men's soccer coach, Coach Payne, he's spent some time with the national team, uh, played at Maryland, played at a really high level. So he's totally on board with the sports science and the implementation of stuff. 
and we took a step back, you know, before our players got back to, to post or back on campus. And uh, we had to look at, again, what's maximally effective in our smaller time frame because our preseason is even condensed compared to a regular school. So, and, you know, me being from my lens of sport performance, you know, I want to drive stress. I want to make sure that we're getting the, the proper adaptations to prepare them for the season. In his lens, he needs to get more touches, more technical work. And, you know, I felt they weren't ready for that, but we had to find somewhere in the middle. And I think that's where, you know, things really work. So small examples for us, you know, when it comes to hip mobility and the warm up, you know, things like leg swings, hip circles, stuff like that. We took a step back and we realized something like soccer tennis, where they're having, you know, about a four foot tall net and they really just volley back and forth over. You're getting a huge hip range of motion there. It's kind of light and dynamic, like an aerobic stimulus. We can use that in that, uh, that ramp model in the warm up, And we're still getting touches while opening up the hips. It's figuring out things like that, where we can look at the demands of not only the game, but practice and technical work and see where that falls into the physiological base. And I think it's, been, it's worked really great for us, um, especially now moving into the season where it's even more so you know, we need to work more on our passing patterns and things like that. And I'm just kind of working the clock, work rest intervals, or, you know, on their off periods, I'm kind of doing some PNF things on muscles that I know are going to be tight and that are antagonists to that action. So, um, yeah, taking that step back with him and really getting the full immersion into the soccer staff and the soccer world and learning what the demands of those are has been great. I dig that, man. I think that finding ways to meet them in the middle and providing unique different aspects for them to be able to do what they need to do to be ready um, is pretty cool. And I think that being able to do that in soccer, I think that might be one of the benefits of being in soccer because things are done with your feet. So like where your feet go, your hips have to move certain ways. So you're able to kind of buck the system a little bit to be able to get that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's really soccer is an interesting sport, um, especially coming from from the uh, military side of things, because we can watch as these guys start to go through their chronic fatigue and, you know, they kind of turn back into who they are in terms of movement patterns. There's certain things that now I'm looking for. Right. So when they run, if they go back into military mode where it's high and tight, like they're carrying that kit, the T-spine doesn't separate from the hips then I know we might have some problems going on there, something we can address on our kind of like low neural days when we really get them in the weight room to do like their total body circuits, things like that, and their flushes, I can start to throw in some, some activation exercises and mobility exercises that are going to target that. Yeah, so then how, how do you guys then monitor what their PT work is like? Because they do that in the morning, every morning, right? Um, not so in here, it's a little different, um, in season teams, they kind of, during their season, they kind of can take the, the pedal off the gas a little bit on that. But in the off season, when it's our time to shine, really, that's when the military stuff ramps up. So that's, we know, like based on the syllabus and based on what their classes demand, their physical classes, we know kind of when their testing weeks are, we know what the tests are. Um, and we have to really adjust training to that. Now, is it optimal for sport? No, but you got to remember too, we're preparing these people for military life and what they're going to do their five years after they leave here and maybe even so on and so forth. 
So then let's talk about some of those alterations and changes and things that you've seen or things that you can expect. Because I think that that's, that's a unique thing that I think coaches don't understand about what you guys go through. Yeah, so like I said, I mean, I talked a little bit about military mode when they go into running. Um, those are things that you can see, those compensations that will kind of that'll show up um, based on the demand of running with their kits. Uh, we know that, you know, there's certain classes, like, for instance, um, they have, it's more or less a gymnastics class, like tumbling. We know that we can worry about, like, shoulders and things like that when uh, we have our, our freshmen take that. Or we know when our upperclassmen go into whatever demand that they have that year, we can kind of work training around that. And it's, it's pretty regimented here. So you have your idea of like, you know, what year they're in in school and then what they're going to be asked of in the off season. And it makes it tough when you're working with an off season program. So it's something that we'll have to look at moving forward, how we can individualize based on their year and their placement in the, in the uh, West Point system. That's awesome, man. So then now let's start talking a little bit more about some of these changes that you had to make as a coach coming in, because, you know, I think that probably the biggest challenge for anyone coming into a new spot, July, early August, and working with fall sport athletes is the fact that you have no figure out time. It's like, we got two weeks and we're playing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the best way to put it. There really was no time to, to figure things out, right? Um, I got lucky with a good staff here and the strength and conditioning staff that they kind of, you know, sat me down, ran me through everything, and then I shared my model with them. They were like, this is probably not going to work. This is what we've seen in the past. So we hopped right into it. Uh, what I've come to realize coming out the other end is, again, you just – time here is such an asset. It's, it's beyond value. So – the small amount of contact hours that I get with them in the weight room anyways, I've really got to work on things that are just, you know, maximally effective, don't require too much cognitive load in terms of coaching. Because again, remember, we're a military academy with the academics of an Ivy, and then the athletics, a D1 athletics program. So they've already got that cognitive load going, they're destroyed by the time they get to me. So I'm just thinking things like in terms of, uh, explosive movements, a lot of throws, sprints, jumps. Uh, for strength stuff, I really like the overcoming ISOs because it doesn't require much coaching other than, hey, get in this position and pull into these pins. Um, and you get huge neural, neural output from that. So really blocking out all the other variables that go into coaching up movement patterns and really just trying to get things down to the basics. Now, in terms of that, I talked a little bit about how we like to do a lot of sprints, jumps, and throws. Um, with our athletes, a lot of them have a little bit more internal, ex internal motivation. So I give them a little more external cues, things like, you know, Hey, this ball, you need to pass this distance. If you're throwing like a uh, 16 pound med ball into a sprint, um, simple little goals and things that they can break. Cause knowing the demands in the military, they have all these standards that they have to meet up to. And it really it really kind of hits home with them. It's, it's a familiar thing to them to, to really drive that competition. Um, cause even outside of the pitch off the field, whatever, everything here really is a competition. Yeah. One their life depends on elevated, uh, elevated demand for sure. 
uh, I really didn't have much trouble working the, the whole culture thing that you might get when you come into a new place. Because here it's like as soon as you start to coach them up, if I told these, these men and women, you know, running through this wall is going to make you 1% better, they're knocking down that brick wall in a heartbeat. Because they know it's not only the difference between them getting better on the pitch, but it's probably going to transfer over to their testing and then eventually to their military career. So, so then let's let's talk about this quick, Patrick, because I think that another unique challenge that I would see someone being, may I, a, a bit of a nerdier coach like some of us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, how do you get these numbers to jive? with these people like in a group where I don't know since like 1776 it's basically been like more is better harder is better fighting going pushing through never no days off hashtag grind whatever the hell we're calling it now how do you get these numbers to jive with these people and for them to even maybe take the their foot off the gas for a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, that was one thing I had to adjust to is, you know, sometimes you got to pull the dogs back a little bit here. Um, and that's just the nature of the game. But what I've come to find is, especially with this this generation and the idea of, you know, everything's everything's in ter- immediate feedback. Um, people like to get that instant gratification. So even something so simple as pulling out the jump mats on a power day and saying, you know, you guys need to hit X percentage of your uh, your max jump height. Well, if they're loading up that bar and they're getting below that 90% or wherever we're working at that day, then they're more than willing to actually like take a step back, release the weight, and kind of get to that value because they know that that's going to transfer more to their speed if that's something that they're working. The tendos are obviously great. Um, we're lucky enough to, to, to be able to do some wellness and RPE stuff, so getting in, you know, their sleep hours, uh, readiness scores, and then adjusting their loads and volumes based off that. And once you show these, like any other athlete, once you show them some value in those things, it's instant buy-in. And then it gets to the point where, you know, you're good if they're they're coming to you asking like, hey, where's my number at? Um, where's, where's my assessment at? I don't like to use the word uh, score, especially here. That's something that uh, – I borrowed from Matt Price with the Kings. As soon as you throw the word score in something, it becomes a, a high stress, you know, assessment uh, tool. So I'd rather use, you know, lighter words like numbers or even assessment, um, things like that when we adjust loads and work on volumes. And then how about the sport coaches? Because I think that that's got to be a tough spot for them as well when you've got people that are just like you said, willing to run through a brick wall to find that 1%. Like, how do they then work with you to monitor and modify and make sure that these people are, for lack of a better term, surviving? Yeah, we look around, we, we work around kind of where they're at. So it's been great um, using the, the GPS stuff, looking at acceleration, deceleration ratio of practice. And then also in, in terms of reporting, you know, anterior posterior chain soreness and understanding you know yesterday we hit this ratio today you know we're dealing with a little bit more quad soreness maybe we need to get away from the d cells for them it's more about finding places we can fit in that that volume and fit in that stress 
instead of, you know, totally taking the foot off the gas and kind of backing off. Cause you know, as well as I do that detraining can be just as dangerous as overtraining, if not worse when we're in season. No, hundred percent, man. So then let's get you out of, get you out of here on this, Patrick. So where's your research going to go? And then where can people find out more of what you're diving into up there? Yeah. So right now we're working on a few things. Uh, for me, it's really about, like I, I talked about maximally effective stuff. So it's really about looking at the transfer of certain weight room tests to the pitch and to sport specific activities, things like, you know, counter movement jumps on the force plate and change of direction. Um, you know, other things include, uh, wellness and, and cognitive load and their testing abilities. So we're really going to take a deep dive into, into how much what we can do affects what goes on out there. And I couldn't think of really of a better place to do so than with, than in a place like this where time is so has to be so optimized and maximally effective. Um, in terms of finding out more, I'm pretty active on uh, social media. Um, you can always shoot me an email either at ppetersonsd at gmail.com. Um, and then we got a blog coming up in the works. So things would be out there for certain. And then, uh, of course, papers coming out. So Awesome, brother. This sensational stuff. Truly appreciate your time today. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, man. Patrick will be in touch real soon, brother. Yep, sounds good to me. Thanks. And a huge thanks to Army's Patrick Peterson for spending the time with us today. Guys, just open, honest, candid sharing. A man really, you know, doing the work, building the program from the ground up there in a real unique environment. It's really awesome to hear how these collaborations are going and building and leading to all these great things. Patrick, I can't thank you enough for your open, honest, candid sharing today. Truly appreciate everything you're doing, man. Keep up the great work. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.